Hello, and welcome to A Health Podacy. I'm your host, Alan Weil. On May 17, 2022, the United States reached the grim milestone of one million deaths from COVID-19. Newspapers continue to report the daily death toll, which remains near 400 as I record this episode in October of 2022. Now, while these numbers are powerful, the effect of the pandemic on mortality is more complex than can be captured in a single number. People die from the direct effects of being infected, but also because of strains placed on the health system, which created barriers to accessing and receiving needed care for other conditions. And the rapid economic downturn, which occurred as the pandemic grew, affected people's health as well. Understanding the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on excess mortality in the United States is the topic of today's episode of A Health Policy. I'm here with Chris Room, Professor of Public Policy and Economics at the University of Virginia. Dr. Room published a paper in the November 2022 issue of Health Affairs examining the mortality effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the related economic recession. He found that excess deaths in the U.S. during the first year of the pandemic were the result of both pandemic-related effects and economic recession-related effects, but these two tended to affect mortality in opposite directions, with the pandemic increasing some types of mortality while the recession tended to reduce certain types of mortality. We'll discuss these findings in today's episode. Dr. Room, welcome to the program. Thanks. I'm very happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation as you explain the difference between just counting the number of people who died of COVID and understanding excess mortality. So let's start there if we could. I noted in the introduction, the media announcing the number of people who have died or continue to die of COVID. What do those numbers represent and how does what you did in your study differ from counting up the COVID deaths as the newspapers have reported? So what the newspapers report are the direct effect of COVID, the the number of people who uh, die explicitly due to COVID or where it's a contributory cause to their death. But it turns out there's a number of other things that could be going on. And and let me give you a couple of examples. Um, At the beginning of the pandemic, people were afraid to go to emergency rooms because they were afraid they might contact COVID. Uh, Also, even if they got there, there might be delays in treatment for other kinds of things uh, because the emergency rooms were full with COVID patients. So if I have chest pains, maybe I avoid going to the emergency room or I delay going and it turns out it's a heart attack and I die from that. So that would be a death that might not have occurred in different times. So that's an example of something that's likely to indirectly increase deaths. On the other hand, if we look at something like influenza, during particularly at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, people were staying home. They were were not leaving their house. If they did leave, they were extra careful about washing hands, uh, in many cases wearing masks and so forth. And so we might expect some other communicable diseases to actually decrease or deaths from those diseases to decrease. And excess deaths are going to take those into account. We're going to be trying to look at the the total effect of COVID, but all the indirect things that go with it. So that's really helpful. And those examples completely ring true. They make sense to me. In your paper, you decompose the changes in excess mortality due to 
pandemic effects, which sounds to me like the things you just described, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but also recession effects. So um, since you use those two categories, just uh, can you provide me with a little more detail on what they represent? So when COVID hit, the economy went into a tailspin. So for example, the unemployment rate went up from 3.8% to 14.4% between uh, February of 2020 and April of 2020. Uh, gross domestic product, which our measure is our measure of total output, fell by almost a third. So the economy really collapsed, although in some ways that are unusual that we can get to. But, but we'd expect that might have uh, effects on deaths most people might think they'd be positive, they'd increase deaths. It turns out that's not always the case. But that's the what I'm referring to the, as the recession effect. The pandemic effect was sort of everything else. So it was the direct effect of COVID. It was effects of strains on the medical system. Uh, it, it's effects on individual behaviors. So I talked about that people might isolate themselves. But also, it turns out uh, there are changes in sort of risk-taking behavior. So it's, it's all of those things put together. Okay, I'm going to have a lot of questions about those. But before we get to them, let's just start with the findings. You look at the uh, mortality effects, you decompose them by pandemic and recession, you have some uh, variability across different categories. Can you just give me the top line uh, results from the work? Sure. So overall, and this is all in the first year of the COVID pandemic. So, so that's basically March 2020 through February 2021. Um, there were uh, 665,000 excess deaths. So, so about two-thirds of a million excess deaths. Um, it turns out the recession effect reduced the number by almost 40,000, about 38,000. And the pandemic effect increased it by a bit over 700,000. So what we had was um, 665,000 plus or minus deaths, um, a slightly smaller number than we would have had if there hadn't been the recession effect coming in. Uh, okay, so that's a big number. That's a lot of people. You also did some disaggregation by race, sex, and age. I won't ask you to read through all the tables in the paper. People can do that on their own. But can you provide me with some of the highlights of differences across those categories? Sure. Um, so if we looked by sex, a uh, slightly bigger effect for males than females, but pretty similar, pretty similar. Uh, when we looked, though, at, at, for example, race and ethnicity, quite different there. So there it was uh, blacks, uh, Hispanics, and other non-whites who had the, the much larger increases. This is in, in percentage terms. Um, and then, and then non-Hispanic whites had the smallest increases in deaths. This is, again, in relative terms. When we look at age groups, um, what we found was uh, smaller uh, increases for the young, so for those under the age of 25, which maybe isn't completely surprising um, given that they're less likely to die in general, but but turns out uh, some quite different pandemic and recession effects by age. What we find there is that the, the recession effect, which reduces deaths, 
in, in percentage terms, that has the biggest effect for relatively young individuals. So, so those less than 25 and 25 to 44, uh, and we can get into this later when we talk about causes of death, but, but that has to do with uh, the kinds of risky behaviors that they're engaged in. Um, so, so compared to the other groups, there's this relatively large reduction in recession deaths for the young, which is part of the reason why they have a smaller increase overall, um, although they, they do also have a smaller increase in pandemic deaths as well. So it sounds like the general categories where the burden was highest are consistent with what we have heard about COVID deaths in general, that older people were more vulnerable, that uh, non-whites definitely had higher death rates than whites for uh, a variety of reasons. And yet this adds to the literature because you're not just, again, counting the COVID deaths, you're looking at a combination of uh, responses that can push their way through the healthcare system, through people's behavior in quite a number of different ways. Is that the right way to think about that? Yeah, that, that's correct. So, um, uh, so when we're just looking at the overall number, we're not, uh, we're not taking account of the, the changes in the economy and, and how that plays through, which can be relevant directly for what we might think happens as the as the COVID pandemic evolves over time, it's relevant for thinking about policies that we might want to address it, and it's potentially relevant for for the future. You know, and unfortunately, this may not be the last pandemic that we have. It it does also quite come into play when we look at causes of, of death. Uh, so, who you know, what people are dying of during the pandemic. Well, I want to go deeper into both of those topics, the uh, economic effects and uh, the causes of death. Uh, we'll dive into those topics after we take a short break. And we're back. I'm speaking with Chris Room about the pandemic and recession effects on mortality in the first year of the COVID pandemic in the United States. Before the break, we got sort of the top line. I'm really intrigued by the economic side of the equation. Maybe that's not fair for a health policy journal, but I have to say, you know, the sort of the conventional wisdom, I thought, was the economy turns down, people have hardship, they can't afford things, they, they go without. Um, maybe they go without healthcare and uh, they get depressed because they don't have a job and uh, deaths go up. But as I gather it from the literature, um, actually mortality declines in an economic downturn. Can you just help me understand this? Sure. And, you know, and I want to be clear here, and we can talk about this more as we go on. The evidence we have is coming from sort of changes in economic conditions that we've seen over, say, the last, you know, few decades, the last three or four decades, um, whether they, how well they fit in this case is something we should talk about. But with that said, the evidence is now quite clear that uh, in a typical economic downturn, deaths decline. Uh, they don't go up, they decline. And there's a number of reasons for this, but let me give you one of the strongest uh, patterns that we see. And we see this in the US, but we see this across the world, across time periods. Um, if you look at traffic fatalities, traffic fatalities 
decline quite sharply in recessions. And and again, we'll talk about how well that applies in this case. But, you know, in general, the, the simplest reason there you can think about is people are driving less. When people are driving less, there's less, you know, there's less risk of death. But also, if you think about uh, driving less, but also less production, there's less air pollution. And pollution is an environmental risk, and people die from it. So we have lower levels of pollution, uh, deaths fall. Uh, and then we also have some evidence of lifestyle changes. People have more time available, so they might be more likely to cook meals at home rather than going out to eat, and those home-cooked meals might be healthier. So there's there's a number of, uh, of reasons, and we are seeing these patterns pretty consistently. Now, I want to emphasize this relates to, to deaths and, and to physical health. Uh, the, the literature suggests that mental health declines. And so one of the strong pieces of evidence we have of that, in, this is again in a typical recession, is that suicides increase. Um, so uh, among people who study these issues, this is pretty well known now, but, but the general public probably isn't that aware of this. Well, right, because I remember uh, people saying, you know, the cure is worse than the disease, the shutdowns are causing more deaths due to suicide than COVID is causing. Um, you reference that in your paper. I gather if you look at the numbers, that's really not true, although it does have a little um, surface appeal. Uh, what is your take on whether the cure was worse than the disease? Yeah, I think that's wrong. Um, I think, for one thing, we need to remember at the beginning of COVID, we didn't know exactly how it was transmitted. Uh, so we didn't know all the best means of, of, of avoiding that. Uh, we did not have vaccines. We did not have, you know, a lot of the drugs we have now that can treat it. And so we were in a situation where people were at high risk of death if they, if they got COVID and stopping that was sort of job number one. And then when we add to that this argument, well, when the economy uh, declines, then that could be deadly. It turns out that's just not true. Now, that does not say that there's not all sorts of issues with, uh, with, with economic declines and with some of the other things that went on. For example, we know that uh, uh, students have suffered in, from school closings. So these, there's definitely costs to this. But the notion that you know, we would not have had a large increase of deaths if we hadn't taken these measures, I just think is completely wrong. Okay, that's very helpful. And, and what, it, what I hear is that there's uh, not just is the conventional wisdom around economic uh, growth or contraction wrong, but that the, the magnitude is so different here, that the, that the pandemic deaths are so much greater than any possible savings, if you will, uh, or uh, in, in related to economic conditions, that, that when the pandemic is yielding death rates this high, that just has to be the focus. Um, at, at least that's how I interpret what you just said. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely my view as well. I mean, if, you know, if, if I'm estimating that on the order of 38,000 um, uh, lives were uh, saved actually due to the due to the downturn, but we're comparing that to seven hundred thousand plus pandemic deaths. So even if those numbers are wrong, you know, even if they're they're uh, they're in the wrong direction and by a magnitude of you know two or three or four or five, we're still talking that the you know we had a deadly pandemic. We just had to get that under control first. 
And then you have made reference to uh, what people died of. You've also made reference to traffic fatalities, and that that's based on sort of historical data. Um, what more can you say? Because one of the insights that your work brings is that if you want to understand the effects on mortality, you can't just look at COVID deaths, things, you know, coded for that reason. So what else can you say about causes of death during that first year? The results there are quite interesting. I mean, some of them are not surprising. So for example, the other than COVID, which is of course the dominant factor, but um, uh, deaths from uh, heart disease went, went up and they were the largest sort of numerical increase. But of course, there's lots of deaths from heart disease. So in percentage terms, uh, those weren't that high. On the other hand, and I mentioned this kind of early on, uh, deaths from influenza, well, they, they almost disappeared. They went down probably on the order of 75%. So, so those are, and, and those are maybe not that surprising. Some of the more surprising results are when we get to what we refer to as external causes of death or non-disease causes of death. So the biggest one um, is that vehicle fatalities went up quite dramatically during this period. And as I mentioned, typically in recessions, they go down. But what happened here is that uh, it appears that uh, people were driving faster, they were, they were driving more dangerously. And so even though miles driven fell quite dramatically at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, vehicle fatalities went up quite, quite a lot. Uh, drug fatalities also went up a lot. Now that, that is an unusual case in that both the recession effect and the pandemic effect were increasing drug deaths. So they were both going in the same direction. Um, deaths related to alcohol and homicide also went up. But surprisingly, suicides, to the, to the best we can estimate, didn't increase, and if anything, decreased slightly. Um, some of that may be there were some trends going on before the pandemic started that are hard to fully capture, but there is certainly no evidence of an increase in suicides, which is sort of goes against a lot of the predictions and even a lot of what people were saying without, kind of, I think, carefully looking at the evidence. Yeah. So all of these suggest a really complex response, right? That as complex as the disease was, the effect on people's mortality was even another layer of complexity. You've given some really helpful examples in how that could play out. Um, I wonder, as we come toward the end of our conversation, if you could talk a little bit about the implications of this work. And I'm gonna ask you to uh, think about it with me in, in two dimensions. One uh, is speculative, which is this is from year one, of the pandemic, as you mentioned. Um, is there work underway to look over a longer period? Could the results change? If they did, what might you expect? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great question. It's actually something I've been working on, looking at how uh, deaths from the pandemic kind of are evolving over time. Um, one, so, so there's sort of these offsetting effects we would hope that as time goes on, um, the pandemic deaths decline, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one is, you know, the 
probably the most important is we have better ways to deal with it. And I'm talking particularly immunizations here, which, uh, you know, which save lives. Um, but also uh, there's medications. We just know a lot more about, you know, how to deal with it. Um, and, you know, and a lot of the, the health system strains may be less as well. So, so all those things would lead us to uh, think we'd see lower numbers of deaths. That we may be offset a bit by the fact that the economy really pretty much has fully recovered at this point. And so those kind of benefit, benefits and, and the benefits in terms of deaths of the, you know, of the recession are going to disappear. And so we might not see uh, deaths falling as much as we would have if, if, if it were not for these recession effects uh, disappearing. Um, but still, you know, I, I, again, think the dominant effect is going to be that, you know, kind of what's referred to here as the pandemic effect. There are all sorts of reasons um, that, that those deaths should decline over time. Uh, what's a little harder to know are on some of these kind of deaths related to risky behaviors that we were just talking about. Um, we're sort of in a in a in in an unknown situation here in terms of say if people change their driving behavior or some of these other things, is that going to be persistent in ways that we don't fully understand? Um, the the evidence in this paper is good news for. Uh, drug deaths in the sense that as the economy uh, improves, we would expect those to fall. But I will tell you that the if we kind of look at the provisional data from year two, we're actually not seeing the declines in drug deaths that we might hope to see. There is some evidence that maybe they're now starting to turn down a little bit. But so, you know, so there's some there's some things we can predict, and then there's a lot I think we're just going to have to wait and see and look and, and learn from what we actually see in the data. Yeah, having driven down your way just yesterday, I'm going to say I'm not sure that people are driving any better now than they were a couple of years ago. Um, but of course, that's just anecdotal. It'll also, I think, be interesting to see if some of the other health causes of death uh, come back down closer to what you would predict. After all, the the examples you gave of not going to the emergency room or the emergency room being full, even with ongoing deaths without those spikes, hopefully uh, th those become a bit more normalized. And then the other forward-looking question I just have for you, you already mentioned uh, the notion that given the 20-fold uh, ratio between the uh, increase in mortality due to pandemic effects relative to the reductions in mortality due to economic effects, you've got to make uh, reducing COVID deaths a uh, job one. But if you think about the future of pandemic preparedness from a sort of system and, and buffers against some of these effects that you measured, how would you think differently about preparing for the next pandemic as a result of this work and, and work of this nature than before you did this work? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I do want to be clear that um, the nature of the pandemic is going to influence the response that, you know, that is appropriate. So we could have another highly infectious disease, but that is much less deadly. And, and then we might want to think differently. But certainly if we have something like another covid um, and what I mean is something that's highly infectious, but also, you know, has a high fatality risk. Um, I think 
you know, the notion that in at least at the beginning, stopping, you know, taking the public health measures to stop the pandemic. I mean, that just has to be job one. Now, having said that, one of the things that I think was done fairly well, but maybe we could do better in the future, is providing the various kinds of uh, income support that were given that really mitigated many of the typical effects of a recession. That was actually, those made a lot of sense. I do think that in the future, the, those efforts could be more targeted. So um, there were, you know, frankly, a lot of people who got those a lot of people and some companies that got that financial support that probably didn't need it. And so it made it quite expensive and, you know, possibly has played a role in the inflation that we're seeing right now. So I think we could have been a bit more targeted. Again, I want to emphasize it's hard when, you know, when you're in a crisis, you, you're you not going to get it all right. But I think we could have done a bit better there. The other piece is to realize that some of these uh, indirect effects on things like risky behaviors, you know, making sure uh, with the traffic fatality example, making sure that we are are enforcing speed limits, you know, are, are having public health messages related to driving safely. Uh, but also making sure if somebody is in a drug treatment program that we can keep that available to them. So that some of those kinds of things. And again, you know, I want to emphasize it's really hard when you're in a crisis period. But these are some of the things we could try to do when we're, you know, when we're preparing for what might occur in the future. Well, and as as you say, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty and it is a crisis. But your work reminds us that there are causes of death in a pandemic that are not just directly related to the pandemic itself. And to try to buffer against some of those is worthwhile, even as we're putting our focus on uh, on COVID or whatever the next might be. So I, I think the, the broadening of the lens around what the dynamics are feels like a very important contribution for that and for explaining the paper, doing the paper, and uh, allowing us to publish it. Dr. Room, thanks for all of this work and for being my guest today on Health Policy. Well, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll tell a friend about the Health Policy.